Welcome to Making Sense of It All, helping you gain insight and take control of your wealth creation journey. Welcome back, listeners, to Making Sense of It All. And we are back with Louis Dooley for our monthly segment of In the Black. So for those who have tuned in last month, Louis delivered his playbook for 2023. So Louis, back in the podcast booth with us here for our monthly segment. Looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, me too. Really looking forward to providing a little bit more, I guess, market-specific commentary for your listeners on a monthly basis and really seeing, um, I guess, what type of value we can give to those people that tune in on a monthly basis. Exactly right. So we're in a very interesting time in the markets at the moment. We're just entering reporting season here in Australia. So I thought it was very pivotal that you give us a bit of insights to what you're keeping an eye on. But let's start at the macro level. What have we got to consider? Yeah, so today we'll just be talking Australian. Obviously, it's Australian reporting season, but we're also um, in the midst of reporting season over in the US and global markets. But to keep it short and sweet, um, from an Australian perspective, we are still seeing pretty material volatility across sectors um, and more broadly economic indicators. Now, um, you know, if we look at the index, we're only 100 points off the all-time high, Jared. So um, what that suggests to us is that, you know, despite all this kind of ongoing economic volatility and, and you know, uh, I guess headwinds, for lack of a better word, the market is factoring in a pretty rosy outlook. Yeah. So, how, how do you uh, determine where we're sitting in terms of fair value? Yeah, so look, I mean, if you look at a very high level price to earnings uh, valuation tool, um, we're sitting as of um, about mid of the, middle of this month in January, a middle of January, sorry, uh, we're sitting at about a 10% discount to the long run forward PE, price to earnings. Now, we've appreciated, the market's appreciated by about 3.5% since then, um, which puts us, you know, in the in the realm of, you know, about 5 to 8% discounts to the long run forward earnings. Yeah. Now there's two there's two factors to consider there. One, do we think we're in an economic position that is I guess essentially on par with the long run average? Um, if you look at a number of these indicators, um, you know, it's certainly two two kind of heads butting it against each other. We've got uh, retail spending and unemployment still suggesting pretty pretty robust economic conditions. But then we're also having this cost of living crisis predicated by, obviously, global inflation, but also rising interest rates and and this, I guess, interest expense for a lot of these homeowners materially increasing and requiring them to eventually start tighten the belt and maybe stop spending quite as much money in the economy. So the other component of that is then the earnings side of things, right? Um, to date, earnings revisions haven't been that negative, but we expect some downside to EPS or earnings per share, um, particularly to eventuate throughout this reporting season and caution, um, I guess, overweight positions to particularly the index um, and and encourage, I guess, selective or active management in your exposure to Australian equities. Um, I guess what we're looking at and why it's still a a volatile period is, is the interest rate outlook. Um, the AFR released an article um, where they essentially viewed, I think it was around 24, 25 respondents, um, all of you know pretty astute economic backgrounds and the like from various different financial institutions and, and corporate entities. And the, the consensus or the median was about 3.6% peak in peak RBA rate by this year. Now, that's only one more 25 basis point rise from where we are as of this week's. Yeah, 20. so we had the Reserve Bank came out on Tuesday this week, delivered a 25 basis point increase 
to the cash rate. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we're now sitting at 3.35. Yep. Um, And we're forecasting for that to continue higher. Yeah, look, my view is that it'll go beyond that 3.6 median cash rate that's been indicated by the by the AFR's respondents. Um, you know, if we look at the top end of that of that range, actually, the Morgan's chief economist Michael Knox has got a 4.85 percent um, peak cash rate, which is still a long way from where we are. Um, I'm not confident it'll get quite there. That implies another six or seven interest rate rises from here. Um, but I do believe it'll get. Um, to the high threes, if not in the early fours, um, cash rate, just based on um, the indicators that central bankers look at to determine whether or not inflation is coming down to a, you know, within range of that two to three percent target range that they target. So, um, you know, whilst we have started, and I'll discuss it more in the next section, but um, whilst we have started seeing a degree of moderation in retail spending, it's still relatively robust. Mm. So if we're still having this spending and activity within the economy, then central bankers will be almost forced to continue to ratchet rate, rates higher um, with the objective of moderating that, that inflation figure. Yeah. Another part of the reporting season which we saw during the COVID years was with a lot of companies not sort of forecasting out ahead because there was too much, they were referring to too much like volatility or uncertainty in the marketplace to really provide some clarity on what the future looks like. I think um, we're expecting hopefully that to, for companies now, the expectation is to actually give us more insight to what they see as markets and the outlook for their businesses going forward. Yeah, definitely. We expect, I guess, guidance to be provided uh, more persistently now. Um, there was a period where it was kind of relaxed a little bit in terms of their you know, expect- expectations or forecasting obligations. Um, but we expect them to come back um, as a pretty much a staple for most reports. And it'll be those figures that um, I believe most market participants will be closely monitoring um, as they look to position for the oncoming 12 months. Excellent. So... In regards to reporting season, we have just kicked off and things are really starting to ramp up and they will go for, carry on for the next next few weeks. But you have some key sectors that you're keeping an eye on that you want to touch on today and the first of those being the consumer space. Yeah, so I mean, typically this is split between your consumer discretion and your consumer staples, but I kind of just want to talk broadly about the consumer. Um, as I said, um, to date, um, retail sales have been relatively strong. Um, December was the first month-on-month decline in retail sales since um, the back end of 2021. So a long period of, of just retail sale growth, um, you know, which is in contrast to a near record low consumer sentiment level. Okay, so whilst the consumer is, um, you know, not confident about the current state of play in the economy and things like that, they are still spending like no tomorrow. Yeah, they're not acting on these concerns, which is interesting. Mm. So we expect that to come back in line. Um, and as a result, you know, these retail sales, in, in my view, will continue to moderate. Um, and, and there's a the primary metric I'm looking at there is the household savings ratio. Um, throughout 2020 and 2021, you know, in those periods of lockdowns, um, the consumer was able to really build up that surplus savings. Yeah. And as a result, they've had this kind of slush fund or excess capacity to continue spending along their, you know, their long-term lifestyle targets or goals um, without necessarily having to um, you know, generate a higher income or whatever it may be. Yeah, so I, I to- think that's crazy because we went through a period of, especially for those that have household debt, we went through a very low interest rate environment, which gave it that surplus cash flow that was coming through because I'm not 
paying it out on my mortgage, but also the ability not to, or inability to spend it. So this buffer was built up. And as you've suggested there, the fact that that um, buffer, emergency fund, whatever you want to call it, has now carried people and given them the ability to sustain their existing lifestyle and spending habits, which I think this wave will then slow a little bit because, again, interest rates are bolstered up, inflation's driven up the cost of goods, and as a result, it's more costly to live right now. And I think we'll start eating away at some of those savings in that emergency fund, and there'll be a bit of a reality check to come for a lot of families. Uh, when that happens, we'll wait to see. Yeah, definitely. That's it. That's exactly right. So I guess from a positioning perspective in this oncoming reporting season, um, consumer discretionary was for lack of a better word, smoked throughout 2022. It was one of the worst performing sectors on the Australian market. So I believe there is a bit of a, I guess, a valuation support in a number of these names. But ultimately, um, we're avoiding uh, large allocations to the sector just on the basis that we um, don't believe that this downside to consumer spending has been appropriately factored into asset prices just yet. Yeah. So the play there is really around that disc- a lot of discretionary and that discretionary and our head's being wound back due to budget, due yeah. to our budgets and just tightening in terms of cash flow. And therefore, the sales numbers in these retail space is just not going to hit hit target going forward for the next next year. That's right. If they don't have that slush fund to kind of offset the cost of living increase, um, then they're going to have to stop spending it on those discretionary items. On the other side, we've got consumer staples and we think they'll stay, remain relatively strong um, based on the essential nature of the goods and that, that are that are sold within those businesses. Yeah, that's right. Consumer savers, I've still got to put bread and put milk in the fridge and buy my groceries. So there's a level of uh, protection there for those kind of businesses. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that dis- discretionary space plays out. So the next one, which has had pretty impressive performance for the last period, is materials and energy. How's the the, the play there? Yeah, so um, look, as you said, BHB is at a near record high, which is the largest constituent of the Australian index, um, but also one of the world's largest miners. Um, It's had a big rally on the back of a reopening thematic emerging from China. Um, A a resumption in their manufacturing and retail um, activity is really promoting a lot of confidence in the earnings capabilities of these major miners. They're printing cash. They are printing cash. cash. We don't expect them to generate, I guess, uh, record dividends, but we think they'll be within the tune that we've seen over the last few years. Um, And so we're certainly, I guess, favourable on materials at the moment moving forward. I guess one of the things we're keeping on if we focus on the iron ore miners, um, you know, if you look at analysts' forecasts and reports, they're forecasting a $98 per unit um, iron ore, 62%. for the oncoming year. Now, they're currently sitting at 121, that's 62%, um, which is, you know, a fair a fair jump from where analysts are forecasting their earnings to be or what they're forecasting their earnings on. Yeah. So if we see a revision, an upward revision to those spot prices that, w- that a lot of these analysts are basing their expectations on, then the fair value of those businesses um, follow suit. So whilst we are cognizant that, you know, the rally – we've seen is already factoring in um, a degree of the upside that that is driven by a, a reopening thematic in China. We think that you'll be supported by the dividends that we paid out from these major producers. Um, and then in the event this reopening thematic really starts to gain some steam in the, in the second half of um, this year or even you know over the next few months, um, we think that valuations will be supported by them. Mm. Um, we're cognizant that we're gaining exposure to multi-mine assets 
yep. um, on the basis that, um, you know, it's a, because they are on relatively um, lofty multiples, um, if production misses guidance, then we'll see pretty material downside. So we don't want to get stuck in single mine businesses um, or, you know, little mine businesses um, and ensure we stick with the majors with a nice diversified asset profile. Yeah, and I think the key in this space is materials and energy are are historically cyclical in nature. So you're riding a period of excitement at the moment. Uh, Tides will turn. It's just when that happens. Um, Just be cautious of the space, I think, and when that might play out. That's right. It's interesting because when materials and energy, for that matter, or anything on a cyclical basis is trading on a low multiple, which they currently are, it actually means that the spot price is very high. So it's almost an inverse correlation when you're looking at those materials. So when I refer them on lofty multiples, it's actually the the inverse in effect. Um, They're actually trading on very depressed multiples on the basis that these spot prices and their earnings capability is so strong based on a very strong um, underlying commodity and energy environment. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right, third is industrials. Yeah, look, um, industrials is a pretty material component of the Australian market. Um, we saw Borrell report today and it was a very, very- It was great. It was a big, big upside, um, you know, toting some pretty material profitability runways um, with, the, with the shift in management and the recent adjustments to their register. Um, look, we think that the valuation here looks pretty appealing for a number of you know, specific names. And again, we are being very selective in those we're picking. So ultimately what we're focusing on is businesses that are having, you know, FY 23, 24 EPS upward revisions. We want to see those earnings growing. Um, some of those businesses that are coming out of depressed environments as a result of COVID are really starting to um, hit the ground running. And we think they'll offer a good momentum throughout the uh, next few months. Uh, we're looking to manage those with over-level, excess levels of gearing via, of course, increase, increasing interest expense that we just spoke to applied to the consumer also applies to businesses. Yeah. And we want to ensure these businesses are generating strong, positive free cash flows um, to really provide, a, I guess, a valuation support for those businesses. Just some of the names in that space for the people that aren't aware of what might build up their constituents in that sector. Yeah, sure. So, look, it's, I mean, Borrell is in there, yep. as we've discussed. Qantas is one of the names. Um uh, Dalrymple Bay, DBI, um, TPG. It's a pretty broad it is, isn't it? based index or sector. Um, and it's really, you know, if you exclude financials and materials, it's pretty well anything that manufactures or anything that provides a, a service to the, business, to, to the consumer. Yep. Excellent. And wrapping it up with the fourth and one of the biggest sectors that we have here in Australia is the financial space. Yeah, look, financials will be a pretty, I guess, minute component of this reporting season, only on the basis that three of the majors, so everyone excluding CBA, does not report on this timeline. Now, CBA, of course, is the head of the class and certainly one that will provide a great kind of boots on the ground type feel as to how the Australian economy is going as Australia's largest residential um, mortgage lender. So it'll really give us a bit of an insight as to exactly how the consumer is holding up um, and a nice little cross-section into the broader economy. What we're focusing on is, you know, in the last reporting season, we saw those NIMs really starting to catch a bit of a positive momentum, that net interest margin, um, as a result of rising RBA cash rate. And we expect to see, or we'll be interested to see what the result um, of CBA is. We expect it to 
be relatively strong. Um, outside of that, we're going to be really focusing on credit quality and really asset quality within what their lending book, their loan book. Um, you know, obviously, if we just do start to see, um, you know, the consumer really starting to tighten their belt, um, we want to ensure that the quality of assets within these major financial institutions doesn't material deter- materially deteriorate. Yeah. Um, and so we're really that'll be a big focus for this oncoming um, report from CBA specifically, and it, and we'll provide a good read through um, for the other four other three majors. Yep. All right. So in summary, just to give us a bit of a wrap up. What you think will be, you're hoping to see positive results in, what you think that'll probably be a bit of an area of concern trying to avoid those landmines. And at a high level, it sounds like its focus is really on that earnings per share and growth of that um, and making sure that it's been, it's actually reflected in this next report that's coming through for all these businesses. But can you give us a bit of a summary? Yeah, sure. So um, whilst we are being selective in the exposures we obtain, um, we think materials and energy will provide relatively strong updates, particularly predicated on that strong free cash flow that these major producers are generating and the associated dividend that expected in investors can expect to receive on the back of those earnings. Um, if we look at financials, um, as I said, it's only really CBA, Macquarie and Suncorp have reported already and they provided pretty strong or pretty reasonable updates to the market. Um, so we expect that to flow through for CBA with a pretty reasonable um, or robust net interest margin and ideally an increase in that in their provisions um, uh, to provide a little bit of a liability hedge in the event that these as- the asset quality of their loan book deteriorates. Um, if we look at the consumer, as I said, our preference is for those essential expenditure items. Um, so your consumer staples over discretionary, but do flag that there is, I guess, upside risk to consumer discretionary based on the depressed valuations yep. that we saw over the past 12 months. Um, and then industrials, again, we think that there are a number of those businesses um, that are offering pretty substantial EPS upsides. Um, we've already, we saw Qantas with a very material upgrade to their earnings or expected earnings. Um, and we expect that to flow through, particularly uh, amongst those businesses that were in the most amount of pressure throughout COVID as they continue to unwind those restrictive um, business policies that they, would have, that they had deployed. Um, we think there's upside to earnings in those businesses. Excellent. Thank you very much, mate. Listeners, please check back in with uh, the previous podcast, which was Louis' Outlook for 2023, if you want to get a bit more of a read on the broader market for the the outlook. Now, you will dial back in with us next month for another segment, which will be exciting because it'll be wrapping up the reporting season by that point in time. So thank you very much for joining us, Louis. Thanks for having me, JB. Remember, gain insight and take control. The information contained in this podcast should not be interpreted as advice. It is general in nature and does not take into account your individual financial situation or needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial decision, we recommend you consult with a licensed professional advisor to consider your unique circumstances. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned.